What is up, brothers and sisters? Welcome to the Mitch Grace Show. Season 2, Episode 2, and I told you last episode that, uh, that I put up last week that we are going to crush it in 2018. I've got great guests lined up. I've got great topics that I've been slaving over in my little brain of this uh, dream world that I live in. Um, just doing what we can to give you a little inspiration as you listen to us. Remember to, to uh, like us on social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, M Gray Media, M-G-R-A-Y Media. Uh, check out the website, MitchGray.me. We're actually working on rebuilding the website. It's going to have a new platform, new color system, uh, totally new setup. Give you some availability, some new videos that we're doing. Give you some availability directly to the podcast. Also, um, keep in mind, and I'm sorry that we do not have this out yet, but we will be send, sending out our email campaign hopefully in the next week. Uh, we're working on getting the new website built so we can link it up to that. But it is uh, what we're calling Inspirellas and Art, short inspirational stories and original art that will come out every month. You will have to subscribe to that, though, because that will be fully email-based. So once we send out that campaign... If you like us on social media at M Gray Media, then uh, we'll post the, the campaign there with a link. And you will want to subscribe to that, brothers and sisters. I promise you, it's going to give you some unbelievable inspiration every single month. Original inspirational writing, original art by my great friend Whitney Ott. Uh, she did our cover art for the last album, Diamonds and Whiskey. And um, wow, so excited to get this in your hands. Um, what else? We do have some new show dates coming up. In April, we're going to be in Oklahoma and Texas again. Um, in May, we're working on some shows uh, in hopefully in Arizona and Nevada again. And in the summertime, we're trying to make a West Coast swing. I would love, love, love to get out to all of you in the Oregon area. We'll see. If you want to donate to our touring cause, we will not uh, deny any monetary donation. Uh, we will take any free money that you would like to give us. Or if any of you want to go buy 100 copies of the album, that could go to touring as well. Uh, yes, I am making a shameless plug here for free money because touring costs a lot of money. Or if you have a company or a business and you want to sponsor a tour, we'll gladly advertise for you. We have no shame in that whatsoever. So, um, yeah, so we've got some cool stuff coming. So like us on social media. Make sure you check out the website, MitchGray.me, and that way you can uh, keep up to date with everything that's happening. The new book is finished. Uh, we are working on a publishing avenue. Um, so I'm super stoked to get that in your hands as well. It's called The Gathering Place. And again, brothers and sisters, you know my purpose in life is just to inspire as many of you as I can to step into that deeper water of living um, because that is, I think, where the magic is found. So, um, yeah, we love the support. Thank you so much. Okay, on to today, Season 2, Episode 2. The topic, oh, I'm so excited about this topic because I have a dear friend sitting next to me live in studio and um, we connected a couple of years ago and we've reconnected and the connection now is deeper than ever and I have a gut feeling that it's going to just get better over time. And so anyway, um, this friend and I, we were having coffee the other day and he made a comment used a phrase that I told him right away that I was stealing, and I don't know where he got it. 
he probably stole it or he's a smart guy, may have made it up on his own. I have no idea. It doesn't really matter. It's out in the universe and so we're going to borrow it. And um, yeah, it could possibly be the next title of my next book. I don't know, but maybe. Um, so the, t- the topic of today is this phrase. And this is what we're going to discuss. So I'm going to give you the topic and then I'm going to introduce um, you to your new friend. And we're going to go from there. The first guest of 2018. So stoked. The topic of today's podcast is the exchanging of lights. The exchanging of lights. I want to introduce you to my friend, Isaiah Thomas. Hello. Yes, and I'm just going to tell you, that hello is what you're going to get every time. (laughs) And you may hear that on the podcast more and more. So, Isaiah, what is up? Uh, Not much, just... Living and exchanging lights. <laughs> yes, living and exchanging <laughs> lights. So I will tell you, Isaiah just uh, got a new place to literally live, um, a new house, and he has been moving in. And um, for those of you that do follow us on social media, you know we've had day camp this week, and you don't know it, but you've seen pictures of Isaiah. <laughs> he helped with day camp, and so we're both, our energy is uh, very inspired, yet very uh, tired. Yes. And we, we are inspired and tired. And so Isaiah has been moving, but he was gracious enough to come here today. So the house is coming okay? Yes, everything's great. Pictures are up. Just a few more things and then I'm done. That's what matters. Pictures are up. Yes. yes. Pictures are up. That's what matters. Yeah. So um, a little bit about it. You know what, Isaiah? Let's just talk for a second. What do, uh, just so our listeners can get a feel of who you are. And, and things you do in life. What do you do for, uh, I call it, to make money? Your I, job. <laughs> I am in the military to make money. <laughs> you are in the military to make money, yes. So Isaiah is in the military. So what do you do in the military? Because a lot of people say I'm in the military, but there are hundreds of thousands mm-hmm. of different jobs. So what do you do in the military? I am an aircraft maintainer on God's plane, the AC-130 Whiskey Gunship. Boom, boom. So I'm interested to know why they call it God's plane. Because it's the best plane. Like, God made that plane. Really? Yes. That is so... You know, what's interesting is I wonder if that was day eight of the creation in the biblical version of the of the creation mm-hmm. he had a dream about it and then that was it wow i know folks you already hear there you go that is breaking news mm-hmm. we need the breaking news music <laughs> ding, 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 ding. day eight of the genesis story is god's plane uh-huh. wow i wonder how god handled that when jesus talked about no violence uh, listen <laughs> <laughs> it just works uh-huh. it just works <laughs> Um, that's awesome. So how long have you been in the military? Uh, over five years. The Air Force, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Air over Force all years. the way. Yeah, Air Force all the way. Five years. Um, awesome. So what made you go into the Air Force? What, what decision, like, what led you to that? Well, I actually, I, I thought about it. I'm, I'd be third generation Air Force. Hmm. And I prayed and I said, if you give me three signs, I'll do it. Okay. And I had gotten four signs. I was like, I guess this is it. So... Can I ask, you know I'm a curious character, <laughs> can I ask what the signs were? Um, I, I always, like in my adult life, I always aim to make five people smile, piss two people off, and make one person hate me. So, you know, it's, just, it's, a, it's a balance of things. <laughs> and what do you know, I got, you know, a whole kitten capoodle in one day. Wow. It was great. I was like, oh, there it is. 
There <laughs> that it is. was the formula. Mm-hmm. The divine formula yes. to go work on God's plane yes. was that formula. That there you have it, friends. We're done. <laughs> that is the end of the podcast. You now have the divine formula for living life to the fullest. Uh, just kidding. We're not done. Uh, but if you want to try that formula, go for it. It worked for Isaiah. It'll work for you. Trust me. And he gets to work <laughs> on God's plane. So that's all that matters. So... Um, Friends, you know that I love to talk about stories, the stories of humans. Um, I feel like so many times in life that we enter into an an encounter with someone with uh, kind of the assumptions and the predisposition of all we've ever known. You know, we can really sometimes only function within the experience that we have. And so... Uh, What I was telling Isaiah earlier before we began the podcast is I think it's really valuable for us to walk into an encounter with someone just simply wanting to hear their story. And when we can shrink it down to the most basic human level of just listening to others' stories, a.k.a. exchanging of lights, then life becomes much more interesting and life becomes much more adventurous And what's even more powerful is we start dropping the assumptions and the defensive predisposition that many of us have when we can simple listen to each other's stories. Because the bottom line is, brothers and sisters, whether you agree with someone or not of their religious persuasion or political persuasion or sexual persuasion or financial persuasion, whether you agree with them or not, we can always learn something from everyone. My father-in-law once told me, I can learn oftentimes the most from the homeless guy on the street. Wow. And that really, that, yeah, the same thing. And over the years, it's become even more powerful. Mm-hmm. And what I've also learned is, I remember years ago, we went to Mexico, to a very, very, very poor part of Mexico. The interesting thing was, those people's lives were so simple and so void of all the noise that we have. It was powerful just to listen to them because there wasn't that noise. And so... I say that today, brothers and sisters, because we're going to talk about Isaiah's story a little bit. And when we have a guest, that's why I'm so excited about our guest this year, is that's what we're going to get to do, is sit around the campfire uh, and talk about our story. And so why don't you just tell us a little bit about how you grew up, where you grew up. Uh, We know you're in the military, but there was a path that took you there other than third generation in God's plane. There were some things that led you there. So... Just yeah, it'd be awesome just to hear. Where did you grow up? Uh, I grew up in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Okay, uh, single mom. My father is a recovering drug addict. Eight years clean, so I'm really everyone say hallelujah yes. to that. Yes, we love it. That's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Like uh, inner city. Yeah, the the typical. The typical. The, the, yeah. The, the, well, for me, the typical. <laughs> right. Young right. African American, you know, inner city, single, you know. Yeah. Sadly, yeah. the stereotype. I was one of them. Uh, siblings? Uh, yes, actually, my my mother had three, including myself. Okay. And my dad has nine, including me. Wow. So all together, there's. I have ten siblings. Wow. What are the eight? Um, when people say they have a big family like that, I'm always like, okay, what are the age ranges? Um, my, uh, youngest brother is going to be, um, two and my- wait, 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 wait. right now, cause <laughs> yes, you're 26, right? Mm-hmm. So your youngest brother is going to be two. Yes. Wow. Yeah. That, and how, like, where do you fit in the scheme of things? Um, I'm my mom's baby. 
Okay. And I am my dad's middle. Wow. Crazy. But you didn't live with all those siblings, no. correct? No. Yeah, 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 yeah. You just lived with the... It was me and my mom essentially growing up. Okay, okay, okay. So how was that? So many of our youth and so many people maybe listening grew up in a single parent. I, I, I did not. Mm-hmm. I, In fact, I'm trying to recall, I don't know that I actually knew anyone growing up that had a single family. I grew up in a small town in Oklahoma and pretty much all the families stayed together. So anytime I hear someone say I grew up with a single family, I honestly, experience-wise, can't relate to that. I can relate because I've heard so many stories. So what was that like? Uh, now, are your siblings uh, brothers, sisters? Uh, brothers, sisters. Okay. No, the, the one, but you but you didn't grow up with the two other two siblings with your mom. It was just yes, you and your mom. It was okay. mostly me and my mom. My sister, my sister and my brother were older than I was. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So they had a little bit of time on me. Yeah, but yeah. Growing up, it was, I had a kind of rough childhood. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was molested as a kid. Okay. And physically abused. Um, my mom didn't find out until I was about 13. I told her everything. Um, I think that's when things really changed between me and my mom. My mom and I became extremely close. After that. Mm-hmm. After like that. Extreme, I Because I remember growing up just hating her. I was so bitter. Like, how could you not have known these things were going on? Ah. And it wasn't her fault. My mother worked two jobs. My mom worked in the morning at a regular job from 7.30 to 4.30. And then from 4.30 to 2 in the morning, you know, trying to give me things. So it was the atypical single parent having to survive. Having to survive. Okay. Okay. I I was lucky. I had a cloud of aunts. I I called them my dolls. I called them my milipi. Yeah. My aunts, my dolls. I had a cloud of women. Yeah. Just... Just their the wisdom and the passing on and the I can appreciate it. Right. Looking right, back right. over those things, I, I I really wouldn't change it. I don't think I'd really be who I am today. Yeah. If I didn't, you know, go through these things. So um, let's go back to the unfortunate experience of of the um, being being molested. Mm-hmm. Was it a fam? Because I know a lot of data shows it's oftentimes family members. Mm-hmm. What was it a family member? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And so that led you to bitterness towards your mom. Mm-hmm. What explain that? Explain that for someone who may not, for someone who may have never experienced that. Go. Why did you blame your mom when it wasn't your mom? Like I think it, I didn't know who to be angry at. Yeah, yeah. I did, I had no idea who to be angry at, and my mom was just the easiest one. Right. Yeah, and I think there's this idea with parents that as kids, we naturally believe our parents are supposed to protect us. Mm-hmm. And so when we are violated emotionally, physically, mentally, I think we by nature as a child look at our parents and go, what the heck? You weren't even doing your job. Mm-hmm. Like you're not even doing your Your one job is to protect me, and that didn't happen. And so I think sometimes it is natural to look at them and go, no, you didn't do your job, even though... They may not know, and often the majority of time, situations like that are are not reported, mm-hmm. or are, kids don't tell. You know, and so, so let's talk about what. How did you work through that? How old were you when that happened? Uh, I was three the first time. Okay, until I was eight. So for five years of your life. Mm-hmm. So how did you work through that? I was a writer. Okay, I sang a lot. Okay. Um, I created worlds in my own head. Mm. You know, I, I had to. Right. Um, 
there were negative things that I that I had sure. done. <laughs> sure. I mean, you know, obviously, but what really helped was was writing and singing yeah. and yeah. acting and everything that I could get good attention for. Mm, yeah. Is there something there that says you were fine looking, seeking value? Mm-hmm. Because someone had taken value from you. So there was something there that you're, it's almost like that fight or flight, you know, type of deal where you know something has been taken from you. Mm-hmm. So now you're trying to replace that and seeking that value. Yeah. So your relationship with your mom, you were bitter with her, but after you told her, she, she, that reversed. Then we went to the typical, you know, being close and yeah. The high school of age where I know everything. Right, and right. And you know what, Mom? You can tell whatever you want to do. <laughs> right. I'm going to try it anyway. Yeah. And then you're like, you know, now I got burned. And you go back to your mom like, oh, I got you now. Yeah. It's great. She's one of my best friends. Actually, she's my bestest friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is awesome. So you um, went into being a teenager. Uh, there's an interesting piece. Is that when you went to... Uh, military school? Mm-hmm. How old were you when you went to military school? I was 13. 13? Now, did you finish high school through that? Mm-mm. No? How long did you stay there? I went from the 8th grade, 7th grade to all of my freshman year. So, yeah, from 7th to the 10th grade. So, a couple of years then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then, you, and then you moved back home, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, um, there's some interesting things about your story as well. Um, what led you to well let's just talk about some of the struggles you dealt with as a teenager what what are some of those um, struggles you dealt with I'd re- I would rather you tell the story <laughs> than me figure out how to package well of course as you know everyone goes to that I hope everyone goes to it because I don't want to sound like, a, like, a, like a, a weirdo you know your hormones and your body's growing and like you know you orientation discussions and all of those kinds yeah, of things. Yeah, it's like the 8th grade and, class that yeah. everyone has to attend. And we're like, no, we don't want to attend yeah. that class. Something's not right here. We're not stupid. We know our bodies are changing. Uh-huh. And <laughs> yeah. I was going through, which thank God I know now, I was not crazy. Um, my uh, gender expression, mm-hmm. uh, that's when I knew that something was something felt different. Like, hmm, I think that I'm in the wrong body. And I, I am not attracted to women. So those, those two things were like really, really, really heavy in my teenage years. Um, and then when you bring in the whole church concept, it's a really bad thing. Oh, also there was a church concept. Oh, there's a whole church concept because, you know, you're taught, um, being transgender, you know, was a sin. God made you this way. Uh, being gay was a huge no, no. My, my former, my former pastor was not about it. Okay. That was the one thing that he, that was the hammer. That, that's it. Right. Okay. Right, right. Oh, you know, being lascivious, you know, get delivered or um, fornicating, you know, you need to be right, saved. Right, right. But being a homosexual or lesbian, that was the no-no. That's, that's out. So what, what, let's kind of back up a little bit. What role did church play in your life? Like removing all of that, what role did church play in that part of your life? Church gave me... Um, what I wanted was an acceptance that I had not had. Okay. Um, from like my peers and things. Right. Right. Um, my dad mostly because I, I, my pastor, I just adored. So it was almost it was almost parent replacement type mm-hmm. of a psychologically. Mm-hmm. Okay. A family, okay. Family, you yeah. know. Yeah. I wanted to be, you know, in the fold, you yeah. know. Yeah. Under the tent, 
Right. Right. So, yeah. Okay, so fast forward again to you're your discovering all these things about yourself. You're discovering that, wow, I know I'm being told one thing, but I don't feel that thing about myself. What I'm, I'm assuming you're still involved in church. Kind of, no. Kind of, no, at that point? <laughs> no. Because I always find I was, it... In, I, was, I was about to be put out. Yeah, yeah, that was my question, mm-hmm. is what, what all of a sudden... So the church went from kind of parent replacement a little bit on your dad from your dad's mm-hmm. perspective, from your perspective of your dad. So now all of a sudden you're discovering these things about yourself. Like, wow, how did that go? Like, when it came to church. When I was in, um, in high school, I was a choir director. And, um, my at church, was, not at school. School. At a school. At school. Okay, okay. And my pastor was very specific about what I could and could not do. I could not sing in other churches without his permission. All of these things. I had cut myself off completely from my friends in school. Right. If they were not even involved in my church. Right. Because I was trying to get free from this, uh, this demon, you know, wrestling with yeah, this yeah, demon. Yeah, 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 Okay. And I've learned a lot, you know, since then because, um... I attempted suicide three times because of church. Okay. It was a very, okay. you know, so. Okay. And I just about had it, and I had prayed one night, and I said, listen. <laughs> listen, God. You better listen to me, God. <laughs> I can't. I'm not, I, one, I cannot keep doing this to myself, so either I'm going to hell for being, a, right. for being gay right, <laughs> or... Right. You do something, because I, I can't do this anymore. And I yeah. went to bed, and um, I was at a pulpit, fully naked. I don't know what, what the point of being naked Wait, was. hopefully this is a dream. Yes, it's a dream. <laughs> okay. okay, so it's, you it's a dream, and yes, it's a dream. I'm like, hold on a second. And um, I, I was talking, and there were all these people, and there was a, uh, a ribbon, a very colorful ribbon wrapped around my right ankle. I was like, what the hell? Okay. So I turned around and I was like, oh my God. And it was still a wooden cross. Okay. I said, I'm coming out of the closet. So there was no need to come out then because, would well, you know, I woke up the next day and um, I was on my way to go to church to help clean huh. because in my church, you had to be there. Monday, we had no church, but Tuesday, we went to clean. Uh, Wednesday night service. Right. Um, we had Thursday night service in another location. Right. And then Friday night service. Right. And then you have Saturday prayer and right. dance rehearsal and choir right. rehearsal. And then you had a 945 service, a 9 o'clock service on Sunday. Right. 1145 service on Sunday. And then a 530 service on Sunday. And I was there, faithfully. <laughs> all, all of it. And um, it was a Tuesday and I was, I was getting my mom's keys to go to the church and everything. And my pastor had called. And he had said, uh, did you do so-and-so? I was like, what are you, Sir? Yeah, did you do something that he didn't approve yeah. of? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, sir? I said, well, yes, sir, I did. He's like, I don't want your faggot spirit in my church infecting my members. And it was, my mom was on the phone. I didn't know she was on the phone. She hated my church. She just hated it. Right. And she had hung up and I was like, you know what? I'm coming out. Yeah, I can't, yeah, yeah. I'm not doing this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am done. I am angry with God. Screw the whole thing. I'll just be an atheist. I'm yeah. done. I'm over it. Right, right. The typical, right. you know, response sure. of an 18-year-old kid. Yeah. Regardless yeah. of situation. that You're Correct. exactly right. That's how 18-year-old kids react. Correct. Yeah, we all do. Yeah, so that's interesting. I want to... Uh, I, we may have someone listening out there 
that could possibly relate to that story in a few different fashions. Number one, I know that we have some listeners that have possibly been very wounded by the institutionalized idea of church. Mm -hmm. So in other words, what happens, and this is the story you just told, a system or culture of people believe one thing, and anything that is different from that becomes wrong. Mm -hmm. And so they protect what they believe is right and are not accepting of anyone else that believes differently. That's the first thing. So people get very wounded from that. Mm -hmm. The second thing is, regardless if we agree with someone or not, oftentimes in defense of that discomfort, that you have now proposed to me something that I don't agree with and goes against my belief system, because of that discomfort, I now function out of defensiveness. Mm -hmm. So then a phrase like, your faggot spirit is used. In a place, nonetheless, that is functioning under the banner of love and acceptance. Mm -hmm. And so we may have listeners out there that are dealing with those types of scenarios. And it could even be things like they are working a job and they feel like they have something to offer at their job. And they take that something and offer it to their boss or to their team and they get rejected. We don't need you here. It's the same rejection. For you, it was what he said to you. Mm -hmm. For that person at their job that feels like they're sharing their gift and it gets rejected, it's the same story when you look at it. So we may have that with some of our listeners. We may also have some of our listeners who are uh, homosexual and may be dealing with how does that look. They may be dealing with family members. They may be dealing with uh, coming from conservative backgrounds or evangelical Christian backgrounds. And it's like, okay, oh my gosh, I love these people, but I still need to be who I am. Where, what does that whole thing look like? And what I've loved about getting to know you is you've worked through that. And I know there's still things you're working through. I mean, there's still things. Mm -hmm. We will always be working through things until until we move to what on whatever's next, <laughs> you know, in, in life, leaving this life into the next or whatever. But what I've loved about uh, about your story is because of all that, you've gained this courage to engage with other people. But I know stories well enough to know there's always a point in time that you either step into that courage or run from that courage. Was there ever a time in your life that you just said, I know you just shared the story about, okay, I have to now accept, or as, you know, I told you the other day, I don't really like the phrase come mm -hmm. out because, because I just, I, I just don't, I don't know what the regular phrase is, you know, what a good phrase is, but I don't like that phrase, but <coughs> Was there a moment, a watershed moment that you were like, okay, I'm stepping into courage, not necessarily of self-acceptance, but courage of engaging with others? I think it's actually fairly recent, maybe a few years ago. You've never been asked that question before. Have I have not. I think <laughs> yes. I asked him a question he's never been asked. A few years ago. <laughs> and... Um, more recently, I really got into it this year. Um, 
I, I asked this yesterday of the kids in day camp. I always ask them, where is the universe? Mm-hmm. And yeah, they said, it's in us. Mm-hmm. The body is made of, of, of blood, bone, water, stardust, all of these things. It's essentially the universe. If you ever take, a, a, take everything out of the body, you'd be so surprised how much it looks like yes. the universe and stars and things. And even molecularly, we're composed of the universe. Just the sheer act of the body losing life and, and everything except the bones deteriorating mm-hmm. to dust to me is one of the most miraculous mm-hmm. connected things that there is. I think people I don't think people value that sheer act enough. Much less when you get into molecular science mm-hmm. and you start putting the atoms and the and the neurons and all of the stuff together that exists in everything. And so yes, yes, yeah. yes. That's yes. <laughs> that's what I realized it's in me and you can't take it. And I was, uh, I was taught this um, growing up. My uncle used to say to me all the time, I used to say, well, why me? Why am I going through these things? Why am I being picked on? Why am I feeling this way? And he said, well, why not you? Mm-hmm. So do you really think that you're here for you? And I was like, what do you mean? And he's very, very, you know, uh, spiritual. I love my uncle Derek mm-hmm. so much. Ever since he asked me that question, I was maybe 12. Mm-hmm. You're here for somebody else, and someone else is here for you. Mm. And then getting into it, oh my God, this the Sage of Lights. Now I got it. Mm. Now I now I fully get what it is. The universe lives in me, and that light that we have in us cannot be taken away. Mm. Okay? And what you do is you go out there and you exchange it. I'm getting light from somebody else. Yeah. And can you imagine what it looks like if everyone was just exchanging positivity and hope and encouraging somebody and just, just getting that back and forth. We could outshine the sun. Mm. There's so much, there's so much kindness mm. and peace and love. That's it's so easy to do. And I said, well, God, if I'm here for somebody else, I really don't have time to feel bad about this because there's somebody else that needs to hear me and I need them today do. So I just toss it up. I just toss it up. I'm feeling this today. Right. So let me just, I'm going to pour out this instead, though, because someone's going to fix this. So ah, I believe in the exchange. Okay. I'm going to get this back from somebody. Okay. But I'm going to give my life to someone else, and we're going to just keep doing this over and over and over again. Okay, okay, okay. So <clears throat> it's almost like we get up in the morning, and we think, oh, my gosh, I feel terrible. Mm-hmm. I don't have the energy. I feel sick. I feel depressed. I feel tired. I just want a vacation. And so oftentimes we walk out the door carrying all those burdens. Mm -hmm. And that becomes the focus of the day. If I can just survive today. To be honest with you, I really don't like the saying, TGIF, thank God it's Friday. Because what that tells me is we're measuring our lives by just surviving till Friday. When every single day could be Friday. Which is what you're proposing is that instead of walking out the door carrying the burden of I'm having a bad day, instead saying, who can I share my light with, knowing that at some point in time, all of this burden I carry is going to be lit up by someone Mm -hmm. else, and usually when we least expect it. Because someone's going to take it. Yes. I got it. And they're going to give you something. And I don't... I hate TGIF, too. I... 
every to every person, every light carrier, every person on this earth is a light carrier. I got Sundays, something about a Sunday. Mm-hmm. I just love a Sunday. Mm-hmm. You know, you wake up in the morning. It doesn't matter if you go to temple, if you're mm-hmm. going to church, mm-hmm. if you're just laying around, if you're just, you know, making a quick dinner. It's mm-hmm. something about a Sunday. Yeah. Because we all need those Sundays. Yes. I call it my light resting day. I'm not <laughs> oh, dim. Yes. I'm yes. not no, dim. No, 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 right. I'm not right. dim at all. Right, right. Because maybe I didn't give this burden away. Right. So now I'm healing. I'm self I'm taking care of myself. You know, I'm I'm yeah. I'm watching my words. I'm embracing silence. Yes. I'm getting, I'm reading a book. Yes. I'm just I am totally decompressing. I'm releasing all the light that I have all, during this whole week, all of this light that I've gotten from people. And just if you leave a light turned on constantly 24/7, it shortens the it, lifespan yes. of that light. Some days you just you have to be off. I'm just at home. I'm just hanging out. I'm just... Yes. What are you doing today? Nothing. Yeah. Nothing. I, nothing. Yet everything. Yet <laughs> yes, everything. Yet everything at the same time. I, I, so, um, friends, in season one, one of our podcasts was when doing nothing is everything. Mm-hmm. And Thich Nhat Hanh is a great teacher of silence and of the nothingness. And so I mentioned Thich Nhat Hanh a lot on this show because I've gained so much wisdom from his teachings. So you mentioned something earlier that reminded me. Um, there is an old Jewish teaching by a man named Jesus that says, basically, that we are here to carry each other's burdens. Mm-hmm. In Isaiah um, verbiage, that would say we are here to exchange lights. Because I think so many times these old teachings need to be redeemed. Mm-hmm. And I feel like in, in the modern church world, we've turned this carry each other's burdens into, I need to carry your burden because I know what you need. In other words, I know what's right. And so I'm here to right. fix you. When it's really not about fixing at all. We cannot fix each other. And I personally carried that burden for a long time. My wife called it the God syndrome. Mm-hmm. And it, especially, you know, my background is in preaching and, 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 and being a pastor. And the unfortunate truth about being a pastor in modern American Christianity is they all have a God syndrome. And the God syndrome is I can walk into a room and fix people. And I can sell you through this sermon that yep. you need fixed. The problem with it is our calling is not to fix anyone, not even ourselves. Our calling is to be fully present, to be fully connected, and in that presence and connectivity, healing takes place. And guess what? We don't have to carry the burden. The exchanging of lights. Wow, that is such a powerful, powerful thought. So, what would you say to someone if... They are the depressed. They are the one struggling. They are the one working the dead-end job. They are the one that goes home to that relationship every night, and there's nothing to look forward to. They have the kid who is just flat-out negatively rebelling. In other words, they're the one that the tornado of life is happening, and they're in the middle of it. And they hear you say, just be an exchanger of light. But they go, I don't, I'm too busy dealing with this. What, what would you speak into that person? The first thing I would say is to 
whenever they have silence to embrace it. People, it doesn't matter what do you do in your life, whether you're Oprah or <laughs> yes. you are the homeless man. Yeah. You really, life is so busy. We have all these things going on. Tell your brain to shut up and I want you to embrace silence really quick. Mm-hmm. The second thing I would say is everything that you need, everything that you need, honestly, has already been in you. You haven't found it yet. Mm-hmm. From the beginning of time, when, when the creator made us, mm. everything, mm. with that stardust and the Milky Way in mind, everything that you need is in you. And it's indomitable. You can't destroy it. Mm. Find it. Number three. This is, this is just simple what my mother would, would tell me to do. Just my mom. If you're in a dead-end job, what do you want to do? Well, I want to be a writer. Well, how do you start writing? Well, I want, to be a, I want to be a New York Times seller. Okay, how do you start writing? I really want to, I want to, I want to go on on this show. How do you start writing? What is in you to do? Hmm. You start, you write in your free time. You can send a text. <laughs> right. You can make a note. Right, right, right. Just because you're, you're not there where you should be yet does not mean that you're not moving as long as you keep moving. There's no such thing as the wrong turn. As long as you keep moving. And that really messes me up. <laughs> what are you saying? Yeah. If, as long as I keep moving. Yeah. yeah. You, ne- you, are, you are never, ever, ever stagnated unless you stop moving. Yeah. So I am writing blogs. Yeah. I'm writing the Huffington Post. I'm trying to get something on Google News. I'm trying to get something on LinkedIn. Yeah. I'm doing everything that I want to do right. to get to where I need to be. Mm. As long as you keep moving. So dead end job, use what you have to get what you want. Mm. I know that relationship is terrible. Get the hell out of it. Mm. And that's just, I know it's hard. And I'm not telling you there's going to be some easy thing. Sometimes it's like, like trying to bathe and, and scrub off old grease, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. get out of it. No matter how, what, what inches you take, mm-hmm. you get out of it. Mm-hmm. And you find someone else to get you out of there, too. Mm-hmm. Like, this mm-hmm. is not working for me. I got to get out of here. Mm-hmm. Run. Mm. It's just simple. Keep moving. Yeah. And, and with the exchange of likes, someone needs your burden to get rid of. Right. That's right. also an exchange of light. Like, yeah. hey, talk to me. What's going on? This is what's going on. Like, hey, I needed this, too. And you, you never know. They're talking you out of their situation. Yes. Yes. They it's almost the idea of when you, you when you partner with someone else in the healing process, mm-hmm. you yourself are healed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're looking for it. Yeah. Like I'm not looking for you to, to, to fix me and I don't want I don't want you to fix me. I'm here because yes. I need you to tell me some stuff because what I'm saying may it's been rattling around in my brain with my own situation. Right. And let's see what you got. <laughs> right. And right. then all of a sudden you find yourself laughing over D like what in the world <laughs> I was crying before you got here yeah and yeah. you le- I feel lighter you feel lighter yeah. and I'm gonna go give this to somebody else like hey take this yes yes take yes. this because it's not for me yeah oh we're just we're just here for transit yeah it's the great communion of humanity mm-hmm. it's almost like it's the sacrament of humanity to exchange that energy and light mm-hmm. with one another wow that is very powerful Very, very powerful. Isaiah, thank you. Thank you. So amazing. Uh, Friends, I have a real feeling this isn't the last time you'll hear Isaiah's voice on the Mitch Gray Show. 
Just an inkling. Don't know that, but just an inkling. Um, I just want to reiterate, brothers and sisters, if you are finding yourself in a situation of need, there is always someone there for you. You may have to dig around and find it, but there's always someone there when we least expect it. Secondly, wow, that was so powerful. Everything that we need is within us. We just have to discover it. So go on a treasure hunt within yourself. Go on an adventure within yourself. Dig for the gold that is there. It's just a matter of finding it. Be like my friend Joseph who takes his stupid metal detector everywhere and hunts for little treasures that everyone else is stomping on all the time. It is within you. Um, Some call that spirit. Some call that light. Some call it other things. I really don't care how you package it. Spirit, light, energy, the fortune is within you. It is up to us to discover it. Wow, so, so powerful. Hey, brothers and sisters, I hope and um, I hope for you today and pray for you today that you will find a peace and a comfort and a courage like you've never found it before. You know we've talked about it before. If you want to start that new business, go. If you want to write that book, go. If you want to take that vacation with your family, figure out how to do it. Whatever you set your mind to, you can make happen. It's there for a reason. I hope you have a great day. Make sure you go follow us on social media, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, Gray Media. Check out the website, MitchGray.me. I'll be back in a few days with Season 2, Episode 3. we got another good one coming. Have a great day, friends. We'll talk soon.